It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, quick shout out, speaking of uh, not thinking like Blockbuster and Netflix world, shout out to our, our podcast, growing podcast family around the world. Last month, we had uh, pretty much our equal record month of downloads uh, with India actually chopping it up at the uh, lead of, of that. And so um, we're just yeah thrilled that the various countries around the world, people are joining us and we're able to communicate what God's doing here to a broader audience. Today, we're launching a brand new series called Who You Are When No One's Looking. And this series, the title at least, was inspired and I literally, unashamedly, stole it from a book that I read nearly 20 years ago uh, by a guy named Bill Hybels of the same title, obviously, Who You Are When No One's Looking. And it's all about character. The book's all about character. This series, four-week series, is going to be all about character. And whilst I read this 20 years ago, uh, which is like in Jurassic times, um, I'm convinced, and I don't say this cynically, uh, just from an observational standpoint, that the importance of character is more important now than ever before, and yet the focus on character and how to develop it is probably actually slid off the radar more than ever before. So we're going to drill into it. And here's the thing to, to, to understand right from the get-go. Character is not the same as talent. Okay, Talent will get you in the room. Talent will get you moving up the food chain. But talent alone won't keep you there. And you know this. You know this because you can think of business leaders who got to a certain level and then because of a lack of character, they made the news for all the wrong reasons. And, and fell down the food chain. You've seen it in politicians. You've seen it in sporting, um, you know, prominent sports people. You've seen it in uh, people in the entertainment sphere. And they make the, the headlines for when their character undercuts their talent, right? But here's the thing. While they make the headlines, this happens every day to everyday people. Marriages get destroyed because one or more of the people in that marriage lack the character to do what's required to build a great marriage. Businesses have failed because one, somebody in the company has lacked the character to continue to develop the business. And so this topic of character is so, so vital. And we're going to break it down each of the four weeks. Today, I want to talk about honor. Now, you're going to see it spelt with a U and without a U through the morning. Reese just try to cool your jets over there. I know that's going to bother you, but uh, don't blame me. It's in the Bible, it doesn't have a you. Uh, and think about this. When's the last time the topic of honor came up for you in a conversation? Well, let's talk about honor today. Look, I guarantee it's very, very rare that it's come up for you in a conversation. When's the last time you've heard a message preached about honor? I've never, full disclosure, I've never preached uh, myself about honor. I've thought about it a lot, and I'm going to share with you some of those thoughts. I've tried, and I know many of you do a good job of modeling honor and build a culture where honor is normal and dishonor is not tolerated. Um, but it certainly isn't something that gets a lot of airplay. 
Yet God himself has a lot to say about honor. A lot to say about what it is. A lot to say about who it's for. And a lot to say about why it matters. Like at the end of the day. So starting off, honor is not the same as talent. Let me also make this uh, important observation. Honor is not the same as respect. Honor is given. Respect is earned. And if we conflate those two and think they are the same thing, then what will happen is we will actually make decisions on whether or not we will choose to honor somebody or honor the they that God says we should honor. We'll make decisions on whether we're going to do that based on a performance metric. Do they deserve that? Have they earned that? But, but, but if you do that, what you're doing is you're confusing respect with honor. Somebody who is demonstrating one of the they, the they that God calls us to honor, has maybe done or is doing or saying or has said some things that have caused you to lose some respect for them. If you apply that same metric to whether or not you're going to honor them, then the chances are you're going to choose not to honor them. But then that's but if God says we should honor the they, then so it's important to understand honor is given, respect is earned. Now, that doesn't mean if you're one of the people in the they that you can just be lazy and just run people down all the time and say, oh, I don't care if you respect me, but you damn well better honor me. It's like, no, if you're one of the they, then actually there's a responsibility for doing the sorts of things that would build respect as well and trust. Uh, that's a character issue in and of itself. Uh, but, but as the person who is called to give honor, let's not confuse it with respect. So all I really want to do today is uh, take a flyover of who are they that God calls us to honor. Before I do, let me define terms. Now, you can go to the dictionary and look up honor and look up dishonor. I went to the Bible. Like, what is God's kind of take on this? And so here's a pretty distilled definition of honor from God's perspective. And I'm going to contrast it with dishonor, both of which are intentional actions and choices. Okay, Honor is to value, respect, or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. And so in this definition, there is a they that God himself, and this is why he says for us to give honor to the they, he sees them as precious, weighty, or valuable, and as such, calls us to honor them. Failing to do that, to recognize the they as being precious, weighty, or valuable, runs the risk of us choosing to and allowing ourselves to dishonor the they because we are happy to treat them and we view them as common or ordinary. So what does it matter? Lettuce and tomato. Not from my garden, of course. So who's the they? And I've just distilled it down to four they that God calls us to honor. Let me, let me tee off with I think it's right to say number one. Something that Solomon wrote from his great wisdom, honor God, newsflash. No, that's probably not a newsflash for many of you. God, what? Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first 
and the best. So rather than try to convince you that we should honor God, <laughs> which I'm hopefully will be redundant for some of you at least, um, let me focus in on the how. How, how in real everyday practical terms do we honor God? And Solomon, he's kind of leaning into the financial side of things here. And, and that is a very uh, tangible, measurable way of demonstrating to God that we do honor Him and that we do trust Him and we do put Him first with the, the finances that He entrusts us with. But it's certainly not limited to that. And in fact, this, this principle, uh, honor Him with everything you own, that's like everything. And so we can honor God with our time. When we, when we choose to put Him first in our FOMO culture by serving Him, by being part of a team, by prioritizing showing up and bringing our best, when we do that in a FOMO culture, and the reason I'm saying in a FOMO culture is because there's a growing cultural shift to people being a little bit non-committal to stuff, waiting for potentially something, just in case something better comes onto my radar. Yeah, I know. I know you're getting married, but, you know, I'm not sure I can come. And uh, what you're saying is you're hoping maybe somebody's going to give you a better offer. And I'm going to say honoring God first is to say there is no better offer. Like, what? You get to serve in the court of the king and, 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 and demonstrate that the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things is the most important thing in your life and you prioritize him in the calendar and you, you probably cho and you choose to say no to some other things. Uh, that's a demonstration, giving our time. And look, time's always been a precious commodity, 100%. Uh, maybe now more than ever. So people who are saying to God, I'm going to block in some time as a, as a, as a way to honor you, it probably says more today than it ever has. Here's one, and I'm going to warn you, this could get uncomfortable. We honor God with our bodies. Hello. And I've said this before, God has got nothing in the Bible to say about whether you're meant to look good in skinny jeans. Uh, he does say that our bodies are holy and set apart for His glory. And so some of the ways that plays out is there's certain things that we don't look at because we want to honor God with our bodies. There's certain places we might not go to, and I'm not going to start to list them out. Some churches will list them out. You can't go to movies. You can't go to dances. If you go to dances, you have to keep a Bible's width between the two of you to allow the Holy Spirit to move. There's all of that. I'm, I'm not going there. It's just some of that. It just, it just gets complicated. Um, uh, don't do the dance with no pants with someone other than your spouse. That's actually a way that we honor God with our bodies. I can. Yep. Okay, sure. Biologically, you can. I know. But like, is that honoring God? And then worship, which, by the way, we include singing. And that's one of the reasons why we prioritize that here, that we can come in and bring everything to God and say, the first thing we're going to do is actively worship you. But it's not limited to worship. You know, it's everything through, through the week when we're reading God's word, that's an act of worship. When we're praying, that's an act of worship. And these are all things that's, oh, well, I didn't really have time for that. Well, why is that at the end of the queue of what's in your kind of list of things to do and let's actually bump it up and hey maybe put it up to number one 
And if honoring God because he's God wasn't incentive enough, let me throw in a little bit of an added incentive, something that God himself declared. I honor those who honor me. So even if at a very base level, the only reason you're honoring God is because you want something for yourself. It's not really how this works. So this is like an out of incentive. If you want God to honor you, hey man, I want God to honor me. I want him to honor me. I want him to honor my marriage. I want him to honor what I do through the day. And he says, great, I will honor you in response to you honoring me. And so for us as a church, when, when people are giving financially, you know, I honor you because we live in a culture that's, that tells us everything that comes to you financially is for you. And yet growing numbers of us are choosing to actually give God the first and the best of what comes to us and not actually keep it for us and say, God, use this, take this for your kingdom to reach people and to build people. So those of you that are doing that, I honor you. Those of you who serve, again, this whole thing of, oh, really? Do they pay you for that? Like, what? No, I, I'm serving in the, the, the king of kings. Uh, don't answer that to your non-Christian friends. I'm serving the king of kings and lord of lords. They're like, what? Just say, no, I'm not like me giving my first in my time to God. So I honor those of you who serve. It's, it's just a, really a very, very tangible demonstration that you're honoring God with your money and with your time. Here's number two. This is one of the big 10, right? Which us preachers like to say, these are called the 10 commandments, people, not the 10 suggestions. <laughs> right about halfway through the 10 commandments, God says, honor your father and mother so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God is giving you. Now, shh, listen, 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 listen carefully. Listen, can you hear it? What you're hearing is some people right in this moment thinking this thought. Clearly, God hasn't met my parents. <laughs> and I get it. This decision to honor our father and mother is easier when our father and mother deserve it. But again, don't confuse honor with respect. No doubt some of you have been raised in, in settings where maybe your father and or mother have done some things that have caused you to lose respect for them. And yet, it's not like God doesn't know that. And so why would he be like a bully and put you in the same category as those who have grown up in dream scenarios? And say, he didn't say those who had it good growing up, honor your father and mother. This is just like a universal commandment. Um, and I at no point would ever want to devalue or uh, devalue some people's very challenging childhood settings. Uh, and maybe some of that's ongoing. Um, and I get that if that's the case, if you've, if you've grown up or you have parents who, you know, respect for them is kind of like a little bit of a stretch for you. Um, and therefore, honor them. You're kidding me? Uh, th this, is the, this is a little baby step that I, I might, I just want to put on the, on the table today. Um, 
Maybe you're not ready to honor them. Uh, maybe just at this stage, take a baby step and just pump the brakes on any patterns you may have developed of dishonoring them. So you're not yet ready to build them up when you talk about them, but maybe just pump the brakes on tearing them down when you talk about them, which, by the way, is probably not actually improving this, this, this solution. I mean, you feel better in the moment. But maybe that's just the next, like God, the, these people or that person, honor them like I'd, I would rather eat my own vibe. Uh, okay, so you're not ready to honor them, but maybe just, just when, you, when you're about to throw them under the bus, when you're about to dunk on them, in the conversation, just pump the brakes on that. And maybe that's just gonna be for your baby step towards, and just see what God does with that. By the way, talking about added incentive, this is the first of the big 10 that God actually adds a promise to. Up to now, it's been, look, people don't murder. And you're like, yeah, I can probably get, get in with that uh, one. Uh, don't be jealous and try to steal your neighbor's wife. And you're like, my neighbor's 94 years old, so yeah, I'm good for that one as well. Um, but this one, you go, oh my gosh, really? Well, he says, yeah, but if this is the one, the first of the Big Ten with a promise, that so that you'll live, like he doesn't tell you that your father and mother are going to live a long time, but you will, so all right, works for me, a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving you. All right, third one. So God... Parents, here's the third one. This is something that Peter wrote. Peter would have written this when he was in his 90s. He was one of Jesus' first chosen, handpicked followers, uh, outlived most of them. Make the master proud of you. By the way, everything I just said was exactly not true. Just in case, like that's John, but anyway, no, this is Peter. He still was one of the first chosen, so not everything I said was a lie. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries, for keeping order. Now, sometimes you'll see the word respect kind of overlap with honor. And even in our definition of honor, respect was in there. So like, hang on, you said respect's not the same as honor. Well, they do overlap on occasions, okay? And this is one of those where God says, honor those in authority. Now again, listen carefully. Because some of you are living in a state or a nation where the genius in charge, you didn't vote for them. And you're like, no, I'm gonna give it four years. Then maybe if my guy gets in or my girl gets in, then I'll flick the switch on the honoring those in authority. But guys, that's not how this works, people. I've been a professional Christian for coming up 25 years. And um, during the 25 years, there has been quite a number of political leaders that I have been called to live in submission to, that I have not agreed with all of their personalities, policies, decisions. And yet, as by way of choice, I have never, I'm pretty sure I have never, go back and listen to every single podcast we've ever made, uh, pretty sure I've never publicly dunked on any of those political leaders. Because here's the, 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 here's the pro tip. You can disagree without being dishonorable. This, by the way, that, that principle can apply to your boss. 
can apply to your neighbor, can apply to your colleague. You can disagree. We've actually lost or, 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 or are increasingly losing the ability to disagree without being dishonorable. Do you know you can actually be friends with someone you disagree with? You can even respect and honor people you disagree with. Because here's the thing. Disagreement attacks the idea. Dishonoring attacks the person. And the person, whether you voted for them or not, is someone that God himself created. They were created in his image and likeness. And we're called to honor them, even if we disagree with them. How are we doing, Tom Willie Murphy? Good stuff, huh? All right, good. Well, put Instagram away. Anyway, um, <laughs> come on, Mom. You should be on Overwatch over there. <laughs> Here's a great example, probably the one that actually has centered me myself in, in many years where I've somebody in, in authority that I haven't necessarily agreed with them is a slice in history where Saul was the king of Israel and David was this up-and-comer, like growing in stature and influence and popularity, so much so that the king, Saul, saw David as a threat and actually issued a bounty, put a bounty on his head, like was going for David to eliminate the threat, like taking the nuclear option. And so David was smart enough to go on the run, start hiding out, hiding out in forests, hiding out in cave with a small band of renegades that, had, that were loyal to him. And it was in one moment in time where David and his, and his crew were hiding out in a cave and they heard that King Saul's convoy happened to be coming past in their area. So they just kind of like made sure they, they hunkered down in that cave so that the king's convoy wouldn't spot them. By some wild coincidence, Saul needed to, to do a number two. And as the king, you can't just kind of drop your britches next to the caravan with all your loyal subjects watching. So he decided he's going to dismount from his royal carriage and go up to the nearest cave, which happened to be the one that David and his men were hiding out in. So they kind of freak out and go right to the back of the cave, pitch black. No ambient street lights outside. And, uh, and Saul comes in and does the squatty party thing and lifts his royal robes. And David, for a split second, thinks to himself, here's my chance to get out from under this. Here's my chance for that bounty to be taken off my head. And in fact, I can probably actually move into the role of king because I'm you know, becoming that popular. So David snuck up on Saul, who obviously was in a pretty vulnerable position and didn't know that David and his men were in the cave. And he drew a knife, and he didn't kill Saul. And he snuck back to his men. And so his men said, all right, well, let us have a go. And he said, no, I forbid you. We will not lift a hand against God's chosen one. That he trusted that God was still God. And as long as Saul was in charge, that he was going to honor the king. And ultimately, by doing that, honor God. And trust God for the future. So we're not like probably going to roll up on Mark McGowan with a knife anytime soon, hopefully. I don't know. I mean, best first name in politics. Uh, or when the borders reopen, you know, go hunting Scott Morrison down. With 
sawn off shotgun or anything like that. Like, just, I'm just sort of presuming that's not going to be the case for most of us. But there is something we can do, not just kind of, not just kind of like passively submit to authority, but honor them. One of the things that God calls us to do is pray for those in authority. In fact, Paul wrote to this to Timothy, but was for the church in Ephesus and, and, and told them, hey, pray especially for rulers and their governments, not just for the ones you voted for, not so that you'll change their mind to line up with your ideas and your policies and what you think should be done because you're a Monday morning political expert when you read the newspapers. No, pray for them to rule well. Pray for them to have God's wisdom, even if they're not a follower of Jesus. Pray for their hearts to be open to God's wisdom, to lead them for the betterment of all the people so we can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. And then here's the final group. Honor God, honor your parents, honor those in authority. This again, Paul writing to Timothy for the church. Give a bonus. And by the way, this word bonus in most other translations is, is uh, phrased double honor. So we're now kind of jacking this thing up a little bit, doubling it for, for a very special group of people, people. Those who do a good job, especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. Hello, so what Paul is saying is that y'all should give me double honor. Thus ends the message. Because obviously you want to do that anyway and this requires practically no encouragement or explanation. I thank you. And hey, it does include me and it does include Steve Hall and it does include our Elevate Kids team who, who teach our kids and it does include preachers and senior leaders of churches all around the world, absolutely. But if I was to zero in on that this morning, that would sound a little bit self-serving. I'm, I'm self-aware enough to make that call. So let me deflect. I mean, I'm in the list, but let me deflect. And let me say, I mentioned our Elevate Kids team are worthy of double honour. And so what that looks like for you, especially those of you with kiddos in Elevate Kids, you need to figure that out. Uh, but I know of people who will roll up on, on oh, look, okay, here's a minimum one. Just say thanks. Thanks for investing into my kiddos this morning. You could have been in here lapping it up with me, but you chose to invest into the next generation. Thank you so very, very much. Rather than, get in here, Johnny, we're going. All right, guess we're done. Uh, I know people who roll in with like a, a nice gift card every now and then to say, just maybe take your spouse out for a coffee on, on us because we're so grateful for your investment. You know, write a, a note, a, a message, a text. Hey, thanks so much, Johnny. Come home uh, raving about what he learned or we're, or we're doing the week, midweek resources and he remembered something that was taught on Sunday and we're just so grateful. Things like that. Um, our Elevate group leaders, you know, we've got Neil and Vicky Gibb, we've got Simon and Dr. McKenzie, Dr. Booker, Dr. Booker. It's confusing. Don't even get me started on that one. Um, uh, Gavin Jones uh, and uh, also in our Elevate youth team, investing in smaller settings into people. You know, those people are worthy of double honor, opening up their homes and making it a priority. Um, our team leaders, many of whom don't ever jump up here and so... You know, we need to seek them out because they, they, they lead the, the teams who do the heavy lifting to make what we do 
um, possible. So here's, here's one. Here's a, little, uh, here's a little benchmark that I like to hold myself to. I'm not perfectly, I'm sure. Um, but here's a little benchmark uh, that I want to put out there for you to consider to be a benchmark that you could rate how you do on this one. By the way, in a, in a, a world where too many... Too many, I'm, I'm not going to, but too many, one is too many, by the way, but too many churches give double dishonor to the leaders because you didn't like what they said and you didn't like what they wore and you, and you, didn't, you don't like their spouse and, and you didn't agree with the, so too many churches are known for, and by the way, they do it in, in dark corners of dishonoring and in many cases double dishonoring so double honor it needs to be like a 180 from that so here's a benchmark and by the way uh, married couples you can apply this same benchmark to to your marriage and it works a treat here's the benchmark talk about leaders and your spouse as if they were in the room. And I don't mean, yeah, well, I'd say this to them if they were in the room anyway. It's not like, it's not a, no, it's not that. Talk about them as if they were in the room. Meaning, the person that you're talking to about the person, the leader, that that person who's on the other end of your conversation finds themselves thinking, man, I really wish they were in the room to hear this. As opposed to, sheesh, I'm sure glad they're not in the room to hear this. Like you hear people and, and you become someone who talks about people in such an honoring way that you think this is a little bit wasted here. Because actually, this would be so much more powerful if the person that you're talking so honorably about was actually here. But, but there's a benchmark. There's a benchmark. And I want to throw that benchmark down to you. In fact, Paul encourages a little bit of healthy competition in this arena of honoring. This one, I like it. He's, I'm a compa- Outdo one another in showing honor. We've got the Olympics coming up also in 2020. It's very confusing times, Giuseppe. Uh, being people who would be gold medal candidates for honor. Being a church that's thought about and known for being and showing honor. That that's who we are. That dishonor, that, no, no, we're better than that. The children, the sons and daughters of the King of Kings are better than dishonor and we actually recognize and step up to try and do this, to outdo one another in showing honor. And look, a little final thing. We can also be gatekeepers of this in the sorts of conversations we expose ourselves to. We might, we might not have initiated them, but when the conversations about people, about leaders, about politicians, when it starts to get into dishonoring territory, you can actually step up and say, you know what? 
I don't think there's any value in having this sort of conversation. I think we're better than this. It protects the unity of the church when we do that. Because these conversations happen typically in dark corners where the people who they're being talked about aren't actually there to stage an intervention. But you can be that person. And the same goes in politics. The same goes with your spouse. The same goes with your parents. And ultimately, the same goes with God. Who won't always meet our expectations? We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.